Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the Metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hey there, welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV. I'm Zach Seward, that's Jen Sinassi, that's Will Foxley. We get you up to speed on the crypto news every weekday. Same place, same time, you're looking at it. We're going to start with some meme coin news, and I think Jen is going to lead us off, so take it away. All right. The SHIB token plunged 9% on apparent Shibarium bridge issues, marking a turbulent launch of the Shibarium network. Blockchain data shows that transactions on the network were stalled for at least five hours. One of the Shibarium developers responded to reports of an outage in a blog post saying there is no bridge issue and that the problem occurred following a mass influx of transactions. So Shibarium, this layer two, launched yesterday. There were lots of dog balloons and pool floaties at ETH Toronto for this announcement. Dogs everywhere. And now we have the token plunging because of these apparent bridge issues. Will, tossing it off to you. Or Zach, sounds like you have something to say. <laughs> what, do you, what do you make of this? I don't know. Are are the ship people really in it for the tech? Is this really causality? What yes. like what what is this? Is this real? Like the whole point of a meme coin is just just trading it, you know? Just trading it, just doing whatever with it. It's not about the bridging or the L I don't get it. I don't get it. I I, I question whether or not this stuff is as causally linked uh, as this headline would suggest, but I don't I don't know. Will, what do you what do you have to say, Will? I don't I don't know what to say. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is the correct take, but I do want to leave a big asterisk there in case it's the wrong take. I think like this whole bridging thing really comes down to like multi-sigs because no one has really figured out bridges yet. Like even the most leading Ethereum teams out there are working on L2s for roll-ups, so, like the Optimism team all the way down to like Arbitrum, stuff like that. They haven't quite figured out a lot of these bridging things yet, and they're mostly multi-sigs, and they're mostly run by the developer teams or the core teams at these foundations. And I have no expectation that it would be any different for Shiba Inu which is a meme coin and therefore probably not hiring the best tech help out there. Like if the best of the best L2 teams can't quite figure out how to decentralize the bridging networks, which these things essentially are, then we can't say that this is either. All right. So let's go back to a different story last year with the wormhole hack, which happened when Jump Crypto, which is running this bridge between two networks, was hacked. Why did that happen? Well, at the end of the day, it's also multi-sig. You're able to put funds on this bridge. 
and that those funds are supposed to go to the other part of the bridge. But the gatekeepers on either side are just people with private keys holding them, bringing in transactions, releasing those transactions to the other side. It's a highly manual process. At the end of the day, like there's a lot of human error there, right? Like no one has quite figured out bridging yet. I think that's what you get with the Shiba Inu thing here, where they're trying to get these tokens over the other side, but it's not as seamless as you might expect when you're just sending like Ethereum on top of Ethereum or sending Bitcoin on top of Bitcoin. That's really simple because it's just the network doing its thing. But when you add like this human element of like, I need to start the lights and I need to turn off the lights and get the tokens over whenever I can, that's where you get like these transaction problems where the volume's not moving as fast as people expect. So I think this is just about the tech here. I don't think it has anything to do with like the network having any major issues. Just like that's where bridging is at. But people don't think of it that way, right? People think of it as like this should be very quick as all things are in crypto. And I think that's why you see like things react in pricing because people have expectations that network is going to function some way. But in reality, it doesn't function that way because the technology isn't there yet. And people's expectations are misaligned. And then the price starts collapsing. So that's what I read from this story. Jen? Why do we keep having these expectations? It feels like deja vu. Big expectations and then a launch that maybe doesn't meet up to all of the um, excitement that happens during the testnet phase. I am most curious to see if this project successfully goes from just like random meme token to actual serious project where developers are building real things and users are actually doing things. Of course, they launched this like metaverse and layer two and they said that 21 million wallets were created in the testnet phase. I'm just curious to see if they can actually get something going, maintain momentum, and then in the next bull cycle, I'm just curious to see like which layer two makes it. It feels like you know, feels like maybe some of these layer twos that are popping up now may not be around um, in the long term. Zach, what do you think? I mean, they're saying all the right things, but I'm pessimistic. I think they're saying the right things, like, oh, we're layer two. It's layer two season. We're got layer two. We're metaverse. We got metaverse. Let's say some stuff. We're here for the long haul. There's real utility. I don't know. I've seen this. I feel like I've seen this rodeo before, and I guess I'm, I'm less willing to credulously believe. I'm jaded. I'm jaded, guys. So you know, Shiba will do what Shiba does, and that's fine. Meme coins are fine. They don't have to have this elaborate roadmap. But I don't know, it just feels like sort of opportunistic positioning relative to the other things going on in the market. But I just don't know, Will. I don't know what to say about the Shibas. I think it's fair. But like, are we really expecting this to be like the bedrock of innovation for crypto? Like, no, like meme coins are meme coins. And that's fine. Great. That's what they are. I mean, yeah. like Elon did you know, say that he wanted to put money to Dogecoin. He wanted Dogecoin to be like move a transaction do you want 10,000 transactions per second they were going to innovate on the layer one side of things he had a lot of tweets in 2020 and 2021 about this but then like he got distracted and moved on to twitter and like other projects <laughs> i think they're still working on dogecoin itself but i, I sort of see dogecoin development and shiba inu development the same way right it's like they're just going to copy and paste any other developers out there but probably with like not as great tech and not as great like principles as some of these other foundations out there so at the end of the day, it's just like, it's copy and paste and marketing. And that's okay. Like you're buying a dog token. I think most people are walking to this with their eyes wide open. It's not super surprising. It's just what it You'd is. You'd be surprised, Jen. Will. You, you know, it would be a good turn of, <laughs> a fun turn of events here. Uh, you know, Elon also, he doesn't only tweet about Doge. He has tweeted about SHIB before. It would be great if Elon was one of the anonymous developers behind this project or one of the anonymous founders. I think that would be a great turn of events. Of course, I have no clue, but that would be the perfect cherry on top of this cake. 
I really would be. Ready to go to a real story. Let's talk about OmniLayer. Okay. Some utility here, Jen. OmniLayer was once the talk of the town. It was where Tether ran on top of Bitcoin. Yes, at one point, stablecoins did run on top of Bitcoin. Somehow we lost that. And now OmniChain is shutting down. Tether noting that there's just not enough volume to keep working on implementation. Omni has been up and running since 2014, so about 10 years now, 10 years now in crypto. The volume has fallen under $1 million or around $1 million per month. And that's pretty low compared to the market cap of Tether itself, which is about $82 billion. Most Tether is now running on Tron or Ethereum or other stablecoin networks. But Bitcoin just just can't run with it anymore. That's that's sad. Sad news for us today. Zach, going to throw this one over to you. This kind of brought me back to like earlier years of crypto development. And I think it's also an inflection point for like the conversation around Bitcoin as, as well, right? Like, do we want more applications on top of Bitcoin or do we want Bitcoin just to be Bitcoin? Yeah, that's the question. And that was the question that I think, you know, was forced into um, the zeitgeist with the ordinals inscriptions and BRC20s there for a minute, right? Bitcoin, the blockchain should be able to support these additional things was something that, you know, people were kind of breathing life into this conversation, uh, you know, with all the conflict that comes with it, right? With kind of hardcore, I guess, traditionalist Bitcoiners being like, no, it's, it's money and that's it. Like, we don't need to like gussy this up. We don't need to do this thing. Like while there is, I think, genuinely a fresh influx of people building sort of application stuff on Bitcoin, I think this is a good reminder that still it's it's hasn't fully clicked because for most people, Bitcoin really is that digital gold and that's fine. Um, so I think the reminder that Omni has been around for 10 years and has never really attracted meaningful stablecoin volume is a good reminder contrasted against what genuinely does seem to be a new fresh wave of interest, activity and development on application level stuff on the Bitcoin blockchain, or at least attached to the Bitcoin blockchain. So this is a good reminder. I think it's still early days for like actual sort of app level functionality on the Bitcoin blockchain. But that doesn't mean that, you know, maybe this next wave of, uh, of things won't click. Saw an interesting post from, you know, Udi, for instance, saying that, you know, maybe, maybe this Bitcoin development era is, is upon us after a period of dormancy. But this is a good reminder that still still early days for that conversation i saw both your hands so you got you guys have to duke it out i won't, I won't call on you jen first oh yeah i'm just gonna i think this might set will up for what he's saying just my spidey senses maybe um as part of the announcement tether said that they are still like super committed to bitcoin and I, they use the announcement of like moving away from this to say that they are moving more towards developing RGB. So that's a client side validated state and smart contract system operating on layer two and three of the Bitcoin ecosystem. Will, what do you make of them kind of putting these two announcements together? Is there something we can derive from that? Yeah. One thing I want to do really quickly is fact check myself. I said one point something billion or million in transaction volume per month, but it's actually 1.4 million in total to tether on top of the Bitcoin network via this Omni layer. So just a quick note there in terms of like tether itself like i think they're very committed to bitcoin right like they opened up bitcoin mining i believe in el salvador and then some other uh, south american countries or latam countries they're buying a lot of bitcoin uh right now using like their extra profits from reserves they're clearly very committed to bitcoin there's also the relationship between tether and bitfinex which are two separate companies but there's obviously like the share of the cto paulo uh, and then there's like a commitment just to like servicing that market with bitfinex so I think there's something just to note there. 
In terms of like Zach's comment earlier, the interesting thing to me is like how fast you can lose your product in crypto if you don't keep abreast of what other people are working on. We've seen now with like Ethereum and Tron, they've had two full cycles to sort of develop and they took over that stablecoin market. Like Omni used to be like the layer for Tether. And while it was very small compared to today, Ethereum and Tron have taken over that entire market and took it away from Bitcoin. And that's a huge loss for Bitcoin if you come from the perspective that Bitcoin needs more fees, Bitcoin needs more applications, Bitcoin needs more developers, because all that interest has now flowed to different chains. And Bitcoin's kind of left with like this thing of like, oh, I guess we're digital gold and we want people to buy us as an ETF, but what else are we? I think that's kind of where we're seeing some uh, pushback right now against Bitcoin maximalism, uh, notably with like this wizard moment with Udi and also like the ordinals and inscription whole uh, thing going on right now. So just to kind of walk into some context there, Zach. Yeah, the whole stagnation versus making Bitcoin magical. Uh, that is an interesting conversation to watch and we will watch it, I'm sure. Now we're joined by Eddie Lazarin of Andreessen Horowitz A16Z. We are going to talk about ZK stuff. And for those not in the know, that means zero knowledge technology. Hey, Eddie, how you doing today? Hey, how you doing? Sweet. Um, so, you know, A16Z, obviously huge presence in the space, known more for investing in companies than developing tech of its own. Talk to me about sort of the departure or what I understand to be a departure from that existing model and going a bit heavier into this deep tech research specifically around ZK. Yeah, it's funny. I, I don't actually think of it as a departure. Uh, when I joined the firm, there was a really deep focus on research. The way I think about research is getting really deep into the market from a purely technical angle. You know, when I, our, our crypto team is and f has been from the beginning, engineers, former engineers, people with some kind of technical background, everybody's technically literate. That's been in the DNA from the beginning. And I, I remember uh, when I joined the firm like a little over four years ago, and one of the first things Chris told me is like he loved the research spirit of the team. Right? And we, we had used to have like this old, uh, you know, AI repo back like eight years ago. There was a bunch of public open source stuff. So it's, it's been in the DNA of the firm. I think what's changed is that crypto is really complicated, obviously, and our portfolio companies uh, have a great demand and need for research and engineering thinking and partners and support and all those types of things. So as the crypto team has grown, it's been something that we've invested more and more and more in. And we're getting to the point where uh, a lot of the research we've been investing in for a couple of years now is able to bear fruit. And one example is uh, Lasso and Jolt, which is a, you know, a new kind of cryptographic construction. Both great names. Uh, so congratulations on that, Joel and Lasso. Can you sort of explain what each of them do, what, where, where they are similar and where they are different? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really hard to go into it without getting deep into the weeds. You know how this is. It's ZK Tech and cryptography in general is really difficult to talk about in a high-level way. But the really quick summary is that Lasso is a new type of lookup argument, which is a critical component of snarks, like ZK snarks. And Jolt is the application of Lasso to instruction set architectures. I know that sounds kind of complicated, but all that means is uh, you get to apply this Lasso technique to uh, programming languages, like to general programming languages, like the EVM, like Solidity or Rust or something else. And what that means is general programs, like regular conventional software programs, can be proven in zero knowledge using Jolt. And that has a lot of consequences for 
uh, for crypto, all the ZK EVM hype we've heard about, and they talk about ZK rollups, ZK EVMs, and all that stuff. Everybody's trying to do that. Like that's that's the goal. Everyone wants to prove high-level programming languages and zero knowledge with minimal overhead, and this helps us get there. And I can say a little bit more about why that matters, but that's that's the that's the gist. Well, I got a follow-up actually, kind of on what you're saying, what Zach's saying. Just as a research-focused institution, but it's also VC, it seems like it's more difficult than ever to apply capital to the space because things are increasingly becoming math-based, increasingly becoming technologically driven. It's like, how do you throw capital into this and make sure that's going to like work out on the other side? So when we're looking at the ZK space specifically, how are you guys approaching some of these investments? What is your guys' process to do uh, your due diligence? Yeah, I'd say, you know, there's always a ebb and flow in, in technology investing. There's sometimes there's times where there's tons of people raising exactly in the areas you want to be investing in. And sometimes that slows down a little bit. Uh, we tend to look at things at a longer horizon than that. So it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not exactly sure that that's slowed us down or changed our thinking. As far as our diligence process, I got to admit, this plays right into it, right? When, when people are raising for a very complex, interesting new crypto project, having people on your team who can think really deeply about exactly that underlying tech uh, helps, helps a ton. Uh, so I, I don't think we've had challenges deploying capital like when we wanted it. In, in this case, the goal is honestly to accelerate the space. You know, we are aligned with crypto in a really, really interesting way because we're very long-term investors. We don't buy and sell assets like week to week or month to month or even year to year, honestly. We hold things for very long periods. We invest in the space and all the interesting areas in the space. And if the space develops faster uh, and we can accelerate it by a year or two years or something like that through our applied efforts in open source and specifically to our portfolio companies, we're going to do better. So we win if crypto wins. And that's the thinking, honestly. There aren't that many spaces where you can apply so much leverage with really high quality researchers thinking really honestly about how to advance the entire space at once. So lots of very uh, interesting aspects to the space. Every bull cycle, we see capital kind of flow to one corner of it, right? And there's been a lot of hype around AI. If you were to look into the crystal ball and look towards the next bull cycle, where do you think we're going to see funds flow into? Is it going to be like ZK and like infrastructure layer things? Is it going to be AI? Like, what is it going to be, do you think? That's so hard to predict. I, I can't possibly, I can't possibly pretend. Give us a prediction. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, super, it's super difficult. I, I mean, I'd say, look, like, if, you look at, if you look at AI, you know, AI's had a similar history. People, you know, it's super hot right now. It's amazing. I've been a huge fan of AI for forever. But we just kind of got out of a long AI winter. People kind of forget this. Just two, three years ago, uh, people weren't even saying AI. They were using euphemisms like machine learning and uh, other types of things to talk about it. Uh, you know, there were people saying, oh, it's just matrix multiplication. It's just linear algebra. Like, why are we calling it AI, right? And now AI is back. That's great. I love it. I love to see it. But that's kind of the way technology develops. It's in these summer, winter, hot, cold periods. What exactly the next summer is going to be for the next area of tech, it's super, super hard to say. My hope is that we finally develop the infrastructure over the next year to the point that all of the key blockers preventing cool applications from being developed are resolved. I'm very hopeful about that. And I could talk about it for a long time, but I think that uh, 
If it's up to me, it would be really, really cool app layer stuff enabled by the latest changes in infrastructure, which are super exciting. We won't ask for any more price predictions. That's that's Jen's thing. Sorry to put you <laughs> on the spot thing. there. Well, let, <laughs> let, let's go overseas for a second. There's been a lot of talk with what's happening with Gary Gensler and others like, hey, I'm a tech person or I'm a t- crypto person. I need to go overseas. And A16Z did just open up a new office in London. So somewhat yep. kind of following on that whole narrative, even though it was probably planned you know, months to years beforehand. How do you see, like, from your basis, being the head of research at this company, are you seeing a lot of people wanting to be outside the United States, or is that kind of an overblown narrative and people are just as happy in San Francisco or elsewhere in the United States as they were a few years ago? Yeah, yeah. So, well, well first, let me say I'm not the head of research. I'm the CTO, and we have an incredible head of research named Tim Ruffgard leads the whole research team. So don't want to get any confusion about that. But as far as moving overseas, you know, we have seen, I don't know if you saw in our State of Crypto report, uh, there's a lot of developer activity that seems to be shifting overseas. Thankfully, crypto developers are pretty sticky once they get into the space and they start, you know, developing real tech, especially open source tech that we can see, you know, we can see their activity on GitHub. They tend to stick around. Uh, and when you look at where they're committing their code from, it does seem to generally be shifting proportionately overseas. Exactly why that is, is kind of hard to say. But I don't think anybody could doubt that the regulatory climate has been a little bit difficult in the United States. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to go super super deep into it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, an inevitable thing. Crypto is going to be built. Where it's going to be built is probably a question for people who set up the regulation. So I'd love to, uh, and you know, I, I'd love to see regulatory clarity and really thoughtful, clear thinking about what we want to see built where. I don't know. That's just, I, I'd love to see it. When we're, we're, we're not going to be, um, you know, we're not moving the whole firm or something to London. We're investing in London and thinking really, really deeply about how our portfolio companies should position themselves and where they should position themselves and where to focus on investing. Like that's kind of, that's kind of our angle. Um, I don't think it would affect our research efforts. All right, I'm taking this one. So we had the, we had the, the prediction, we had the, the, the attempted Gary Gensler bashing. I want to get back to the tech, all right? I want to yes. get back to the Come tech, on, all right? Yes. Bear with wow. me, guys. Bear with me, guys. So there's been a lot of advancement, I think, in zero-knowledge uh, zero research over the last five years, like, you know, catalyzed in part by the applications in the crypto world. Talk to me about the importance of ZK and just help me zoom out for an audience that may not be super familiar yeah. with the importance of zero-knowledge technology. So I think a lot of people think that's like a privacy preserving technology, where I think we're seeing a lot around scaling relating to these uh, various right. ZK, ZK tech. So I just want to, I want to understand from you what you think the mix is, because ZK can be uh, overarching any number of different things. What is the yeah. real essence of what this accomplishes? Well, first, I really appreciate that framing because you're exactly right. Right. The, generally, the two properties are privacy and succinctness, which just means making things really short, like proving knowledge or proving facts in a really concise manner. And obviously, if it's short, it's easier to read. If it's easier to read, then you can read it faster. And if you can read it faster, then the computer can do it faster. That's, so it's, that's why succinctness leads to scaling. And that's why ZK rollups are typically a scaling technology. There's really only one uh, major privacy-preserving ZK rollup project that's Aztec, which we can talk a little bit about at some point. But the big picture is that crypto needs really interesting game theory and cryptography to work. And the more that we can put into the cryptography, the more that we can guarantee, uh, the more that we can design these systems so that computers can guarantee what happens. 
right? That's one of the cool, really cool things about cryptography. You can use math to enforce the properties of a system. ZK Tech is one of the coolest corners of cryptography because it lets you really, really play with proving facts, proving facts concisely, scaling computations that need to occur across many, many, many systems. Of course, this is true in ZK rollups, but here's like another cool area. What if you wanted to prove what a AI model made as an inference, right? Of course, you can go get a rent a machine on Amazon. You can run a, an LLM yourself. You can train, train one. You can do all that stuff. But if you want to do it in a way that minimizes the trust relationship that you have with the person running that computer, you might need ZK Tech in order to verify the computation, in order to prove that the computation was run exactly as you wanted. Uh, there's a bunch of companies thinking about this type of thing. One of our portfolio companies, Jensen, is thinking really deeply about how to train in a trustless, decentralized network. There's a bunch of cool projects on this. But uh, the, the fact of the matter is, is that if you want computers to do really complicated, trustworthy things, and you want computers that can make commitments, and you want it to be fast, you probably need ZK Tech uh, at, a, at, at a minimum. And uh, I haven't even waded into the privacy area because it's a little bit complicated to talk about, but uh, that's, that's the big picture. It's a cornerstone of crypto and will be the way that crypto scales in the future. There are no doubts about that. Thanks for doing your best to keep us succinct on brand, on theme. We appreciate it. That is CTO of A16Z, Eddie Lazarin. Thanks so much for joining us, Eddie. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. That's it for the show today. I'm Zach. We got Jen. We got Will. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for watching The Hash. We appreciate you. Bye. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcast at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening 